Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're of course going to talk about the Badgers' performance in the Big Ten tournament, albeit uh, another loss to Iowa, but uh, we'll touch on that briefly before getting into, of course, the NCAA tournament, because I think that's what's on the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, we'll talk about the Badgers' seeding in terms of where they ended up. Uh, in that 8-9 matchup, we'll get into all things bracket. We'll talk about the Tar Heels, kind of do some uh, bracket predictions. We'll talk about some upsets, and then we'll get into our final four um, predictions, stuff like that. So a bunch of fun stuff to discuss. This is a great time of year for college basketball fans, especially when you haven't had March Madness for over a calendar year, with, uh, of course, last year being scrapped. So I know people are overly excited compared to normal years, so it should be a lot of fun to discuss, um, and everybody loves filling out a bracket and stuff like that, so it should be a fun topic of conversation. We've also got some news to start with um, on the football end, so it should be a fun, full show for you guys today. Matt, how are you? Doing great, yeah, I think it's exciting. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about Wisconsin's actual seed and everything. We've got some football news to jump into, uh, so I think you guys will like the show. But overall, doing well. It's a little colder today. Going to get some snow, supposedly. Uh, how are you doing, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, the, the snow was kind of a bummer. Um, looking at the Monday, of course, it's, we're recording this Monday afternoon. hasn't quite started, but it keeps saying it's going to, and I keep looking out the window not seeing it yet. So I'm hoping that uh, stays the same, uh, but we'll see. But otherwise, you know, things are great. I'm very excited for March Madness. Um, I think it's going to be a really fun opening weekend. Um, yeah, of course, everything, brackets, bracket pools, the whole nine yards. It's nice to have that back. Feels like we're getting closer to back to normal, so it should be a lot of fun to get into uh, all things college basketball and March Madness here. But before we do that, we do have some football news, and it's it's pretty significant, I think, for Wisconsin football. Um, John Settle leaving Wisconsin to take the running back coach job at Kentucky. Um, he's been with Wisconsin for, I believe, the last 11 years. Does that sound right? Yeah, 11 years, 12 overall with, with Chris because he also was a coach at Pitt for a year. Yeah, so uh, really a, a big uh, big loss, I think, for Wisconsin and, and a very impactful, you know, out of course a, a very big position for the Badgers running back. You know, you think about the offensive line and uh, Joe Rudolph being the, the head guy there. John Settle is probably just as important in terms of being ahead of the running back room of course, put together a lot of success with a lot of strong running backs over the years and during his time at Wisconsin. So what did you make of that news that was kind of somewhat surprising? I know we started hearing trickles of it later on this past week, but uh, it seems to be that uh, John Settle is headed to the Wildcats and somewhat of a surprising move to a lot of folks. Yeah, I think it was definitely surprising. I don't think anybody was thought maybe that John Settle was, was off to another job. I know you look at it, they the Badgers kind of withstood a lot of the, the normal cycle of coaching changes that usually by this point has already taken place. So this was a late move, um, a late fill for Kentucky. And I, I think you look at it, 
it, it makes some sense because it's it's definitely going to be a little extra money in his pocket. Kentucky play. Um, Kentucky has a, a fairly high payroll in terms of the coaches, so I would assume he's going to be getting a nice little raise. And and really, I think the 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 next stage is what will Wisconsin do to to bring in a new guy, and what will that look like? Because you've got spring practice here starting up in two weeks, so it's we know how how much uh, red tape and bureaucracy there is within the the university for hiring. So will they have somebody by spring practice is now the big question because the moves happened. Now it's about Paul Chris trying to fill the vacancy. Yeah, and I think uh, as much as it sucks that John Settle did leave, you know, you wish him the best. I know Kentucky's a SEC program, and, and that always helps. And also, they seem to be a program that uh, is maybe a few pieces away. Um, I know they're a run-heavy team these last couple of years. So um, fit-wise, I think it makes a lot of sense for him to go and take over a strong running back room and, and try and recruit in that area. But, yeah, I think the bigger news is, of course, for Wisconsin, I guess the bigger story and focus now is, is what the Badgers go after, what they can do. Because like you mentioned, it was similar last year. Of course, they didn't end up have, having spring practice, but Alvis Witted with the wide receiver room was kind of around that same time where you were hoping that they'd have someone settled in before spring practice. They, of course, did, and then uh, coronavirus happened, and uh, it kind of canceled everything down. But for Wisconsin, if you're especially coming into this year in spring practice with you've got Jalen Berger, but we've talked about it time and time again with this running back room, there's not a ton of experience either. Even with Berger, he's still going to be coming into this season um, as a true freshman with this extra COVID year. So behind him, there's not that veteran you know guy that you can lean on. So there's going to be a, a strong focus in having um, someone to head up that room. I think it's going to be really important. So who they fill that vacancy with is going to be uh, I think that I think a lot of fans should keep an eye on. I know I believe you wrote up a list. Anyone uh, in particular that you see as a possible uh, fit for that running back room position? I think there's a bunch of guys that could fit it. Usually uh, Paul Christ uses his loose ties to kind of find people, whether it be somebody that has uh, ties to the university or whether it be people that he knows through his connections. Um, Reggie Davis, who used to be Nebraska's running back coach, as well as with the 49ers where he, with his brother, that would be somebody who has ties because Chris was really close with Mike Riley. Um, you, you also have um, a, a veteran in, like, Jeff Horton. There's um, talk that the um, Kentucky offensive coordinator that was fired and now um, opened up the vacancy for uh, the move of Settle in the first place could be somebody to watch. I really like the um, Anthony Jones of Memphis. If, they can, if they're going to look for a younger up-and-comer guy, I think he would be an absolute home run hire because you look at what – Memphis has done with um, Daryl Henderson, Tony Pollard, Antonio Gibbs, and Kenneth Gainwell. They've they've just been rattling off running backs um, for a while now. Otherwise, Lee Marks at Fresno State would be another guy that I would like if they went off the grid away from kind of some of the ties that they have. But, um, yeah, I, I, you don't see it kind of a, a direct, this is going to be who it is. Um, maybe for now it's it's James Rogers, who I know we talked about a while ago that they brought in as an analyst, um, who was a prolific receiver and runner runner at Oregon State, and he's he's been brought in. Maybe they're they're looking to groom him for the role as well. So I think there's a lot of movement of what it could be, but but I just think it's hilarious because you look back 
before Jonathan Taylor got here, and there was a lot of people who wanted Sean Settle gone because of his inability to recruit that people were saying, and now uh, people are like, what the hell, why is he leaving? That sucks. <laughs> and, and so it's just it's, it comes full circle, and it's so funny to see at this point. Yeah, he's done a phenomenal job with that Taylor and, of course, uh, with Jonathan Taylor and, of course, Jalen Berger after that. And, you know, there's I think there is a lot of uh, hires that you mentioned that make sense. Who it's going to be is is probably, like you said, not as not as clear cut. I know there's been a lot of positions um, where there's been uh, changes in this offseason where you kind of can see uh, not necessarily writing on the wall, but you're like you can see the perfect fit there. I, I don't know if there's, that's necessarily the case for this one, but I think there's a lot of good names that you mentioned, uh, the Memphis um, running back coach would, would make a lot of sense. They have had a really strong um, few years of running backs going back a little bit while now, so it'd be something that I think you look at Memphis, you could take a jump up to Wisconsin that way. Wisconsin running backs coach is still a pretty good job um, for a lot of people out there in the country to be able to you know recruit um, and coach up some really good talent at that position. So who Wisconsin ends up getting is, is going to be really a storyline to watch for as we get closer and closer to spring camp. You know, It's going to be here before you know it. Yeah, it's, it's just right around the corner, and I think I would anticipate that James Rogers is probably going to be your running backs coach for spring practice, unless they kind of rapid fire get somebody in here. But and just it's going to be interesting to see what they're doing, especially when you look at just the the sheer amount of turnover in in the uh, coaching staff this year. Um, I, I think you're going to be seeing some some major changes that are going to result in maybe. I guess hopefully some better offense because you got Bedmeyer off to Colorado State, Paul Chris taking over quarterbacks, taking over play calling, um, Rudolph sliding to offensive line. You've got a new cornerbacks coach, a new defensive line coach. I mean, Kalaji's been in the program, but still there's a lot of movement here. And after a kind of a down season, it makes sense. But I, I didn't see this domino falling, and I, I don't think you did either, did you? No, it, it took me completely out of the blue when I saw the rumors kind of trickling. I was, I was thinking maybe it was just uh, hearsay or somebody heard something, and then you start to saw more and more of it, and I was like, man, that is, that's a tough blow for Wisconsin football. It's, it's not only a tough blow because you lose a high-quality running back coach that's had success these last you know, few years, and, of course, he's had a long tenure at Wisconsin, but also you know, it's, it's a key position, and it's so close to spring practice. It's, not, it's never good to lose a top-quality coach, but when you're this close to spring practice, and, and spring practice looks so important for most teams across the country, it's uh, it's a bummer, but uh, we wish him the best at the University of Kentucky. You always want you know Wisconsin alums, quote unquote, to to have success at their future jobs. And uh, if he felt it was a better fit, um, it's always great um, for him to to hop over. And, and we wish him the best of luck as he moves on to that. All right, let's get into some basketball now. I, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this Iowa recap because once again, Wisconsin played pretty good for. Uh, uh, Good amount of the game. I mean, there was ebbs and flows once again. Of course, the scoring droughts uh, kind of happened. Same same issues that have plagued this team throughout the season once again reared their ugly head. But at the end, Wisconsin was unable to uh, knock off the Hawkeyes 0-3 against them on the season. Anything you really took from that game, or was it kind of the same old Wisconsin that we've seen time and time again this season? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of the same uh, in a lot of ways. Wisconsin played really well. You saw them. They had a lead at halftime. They were playing really good, 32-26 at half. I think everybody was feeling confident at that point based off of what they were doing. Uh, They were shooting pretty well. They were doing a lot of really good things. But 
you can't only play 75% of a basketball game. Mm-hmm. If, if we could, the Badgers would probably be a lot better right now, and they'd probably be looking at like a three seed. But in this case, you've got to put together a full 40, and that's been their Achilles heel all year long. Uh, the shooting wasn't terrible The the two from two. It was it was pretty bad. Uh, the second half, though, that the final 10 minutes of the second half was just a brutal offensive performance, and, and really that's what sunk them. It was – they had one one field goal over the past ten minutes, and uh, one of your last ten, they had a sprinkling of of a bunch of turnovers, uncharacteristically, fourteen of them. They they allowed off, um, Iowa offensive rebounds, which is something that's happened far too much this season as well. And, and really, they the Badgers just didn't do enough on either end of the court. I thought they did some good things on the on defense for most of the game. They held Iowa a team who averages. In the in the 80s into 62 points, but if you can't do a lick on offense, you're not going to win games, and that's what happened. They fell apart in the second half, and the wheels completely just dropped off. Yeah, it, it's really that's I think the big thing you take from it is that you, you there's so many times throughout the season where they've done a lot of good things right for portions of the game, and then the rest of the game they just have not been able to put uh, a full thing together, and and I know. Kind of in the media pressers, certain guys, you know, Michael Potter, I remember very recently kind of mentioned, you know, these are things we can fix. These are things we can fix. But now we're into March Madness. You've got the bracket in front of them, and Wisconsin just has not been able to make some of the fixes that they need to make uh, to consistently win basketball games. I know they've played some really strong competition the last few weeks of the season, but you would expect at least um, for Badger team, you know, of of normal uh, Badger level to at least knock off some of those games. They just have not been able to do that this year, and it's a direct result of just not putting together a full game. You have to rebound the basketball. You have to defend. They did an okay job defending. I will admit, uh, you know, Iowa didn't have their best shooting night, but at the same time, I think Wisconsin did a good job of getting their, uh, you know, getting a hand in their face, not giving them a ton of open looks, which, you know, when you leave Iowa a little bit of space, they're going to knock them down and for the most part, the Hawkeyes didn't have a lot of that. But, again, the offensive rebounding, Luka Garza was able to grab it and kick back out, and, and these guys were able to get second-chance points. So it's, again, you know, they did some good things well, and that's great. But at the end of the day, if you don't do a lot of the things well and more well um, throughout the, the course of a full game, it's just not going to be enough to get it done against quality competition. And now you're into the NCAA tournament. You've got um, a North Carolina team, which we'll talk about, and then if you win that game, you probably got the you know the number two seed in the entire tournament in, in Baylor. So you you can't afford to have these lapses, and especially right now, and it's not going to get any easier. I know we've talked about the Big Ten in, in terms of competition, but they've got a tough first round matchup, and they've got a if they win that, a very tough second round matchup. So it's time for Wisconsin to get things right in a hurry if they if they want to win a couple games here in March. Yeah, and I think you you look at it. For the tournament, you're always going to have the shooting thing. Like, that's an on-and-off thing that eventually it's going to click. And, and I thought, for the most part, the first half, they shot well enough to win that game in the first half. Second half, definitely not. Um, but there's a couple key areas that really jumped out that they've got to clean up if they want to have a chance to beat North Carolina. Layups. They were under mm-hmm. thirty per, under 33% of layups. They were 6 of 19. That's just not going to get it done. You have tw- 22% of your possessions, you're turning the ball over. For a Wisconsin team that's one of the best in the entire country, that's how you lose lose games. And then the other main thing that uh, you look at was the rebounds, and that's something North Carolina does really good. And I know that um, everybody's going to be pounding that that uh, 
all week talking about how good North Carolina's length is and how much how much they hit the offensive glass. But this Wisconsin team needs to do better job on both of those fronts because or all those fronts because you look at it and Wisconsin in the second half, those offensive rebounds just really kept Iowa in the game because Iowa wasn't shooting good in the second half for most of it either. And it had long lapses where they didn't score, but Wisconsin allowed them to continue to have more shots. If the probability is in your favor, if you're getting four shots compared to the other teams just getting one. Yeah, I think that was the the, the big point of, of contention for Wisconsin is that they were just giving up too many opportunities to this Iowa team. Yeah, you know, they didn't have their best shooting night, but if they get multiple chances, it's probably going to be a bad end result because they're going to take advantage of it. They're just too talented of a team, and you're going to see that with a, with a team like North Carolina. If they get multiple chances, it's going to be hard. And, and even if you win that game, if you give a team like Baylor, who, who shoots the ball better than anyone, multiple chances, um, they're really going to take advantage of it. So Wisconsin's got to get some things cleaned up. I know they went into this Big Ten tournament 0-0, and, you know, of course picked up that. They played with a lot of energy. I think that portion of it was better. I'm sure they'll be excited to be, you know, in the NCAA tournament, so maybe they can make something happen. But um, at the same time, you can bring the energy, you can be excited, but if you don't do the fundamental things that Wisconsin basketball normally does well, it's going to come back to bite them. So we'll see how that works out for the Badgers in the NCAA tournament here coming up in, in just a few days. So at the end of the day, um, Iowa, of course, won that game, went on to lose to Illinois. Illinois and went on winning the, the Big Ten championship game. Uh, really a fun Big Ten tournament overall, but for the Badgers it was uh, a nice win, but uh, really a, a short-lived time uh, at the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they ran into one of the better teams of the Big Ten, couldn't take care, care of business, and that's been something that's been going on all year, so it's it's not something new for us um, at this point. But but what do you make of Wisconsin's seeding? Like if we're looking towards the actual NCAA tournament that's coming up now, they're, they are looking at a nine seed. Um, the 35th team in the entire tournament in terms of their ranking. They're going to be taking on an 8 seed in North Carolina. Did you think that that was about right, or did you think that they maybe should have been higher, lower? Um, you know, I think when I looked at it, I did not think this team would, you know, the, I did the bracketology write-ups, and, and I saw as high as a 6 seed. I didn't think there was any way this team was going to be a 6 seed. Just haven't won enough games down the stretch to, to be considered that high. I didn't really – I thought seven seed was probably the most ideal. You know, you look at the situation, um, you look at that Midwest region, you know, that 7-10 game with, with Clemson and Rutgers. I thought Wisconsin maybe had a chance to be the seven seed in that spot, but seeing that they were the nine seed, I would have loved for them to be the 10 seed and, and just falling down one more line, and all of a sudden you had a 7-10 matchup with a Clemson team out of the ACC that I really don't think is that strong. I think Rutgers will win that game in that spot. Or on the flip side, you know, in that East region, if you were a 10 seed, Maryland and, and UConn, yeah, that's a little bit better than having to face a North Carolina team that Wisconsin doesn't necessarily match up great with. You mentioned the rebounding, and then if you win that team, a game, you, of course, get Baylor in the second round. So I, I think an 8-9 was probably fair. But if you're seeing that you're already a 9, it would have really been nice for Wisconsin just to fall to a 10, you know. At that point, the difference between a 7 to 10 seed is is just who you're kind of avoiding in that second round if you win. And unfortunately for the Badgers, they kind of got the raw end where, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if you're an 8 or 9, but if you could jump up to a 7 or fall to a 10, it would have been ideal. So 
kind of a tough luck for Wisconsin, but they had multiple opportunities to to improve their resume, win some of these games down the stretch, and they didn't. So at the end of the day, you kind of just have to you know eat the eat the food that you're dealt at that one and play the cards you're dealt because uh, at the end of the day, you you didn't win enough games, you didn't do enough, I think, to bolster your resume and move off of uh, you know whatever line you got from the NCAA selection committee. Yeah, I, I think it was pretty fair that eight or nine seems about right, given what we've seen from this team. But but I think you're totally right that if if they would have lost to Penn State in the Big Ten tournament, they might have been sitting right where you at that ten line, and, mm-hmm. and then you're taking on a, a seven seed with the chance to play a two. And and I know for a fact that you'd much rather play Houston or Alabama than having to to go up against Baylor or Gonzaga or Michigan or Illinois. So it it was. It was the way it went, but uh, I think Wisconsin would have loved to have been either a 7 or a 10 seed and, and escaped having to put, possibly play a one team uh, coming out after a win. Yeah, that was uh, – when you look at it, it's just like, man, that would <laughs> – even the 10 seed, you know, a 7-10 is a pretty close matchup. I think you'd be – you know, I could think you could definitely see both big 10 teams kind of winning both of those games. So if you're the Badgers, you know, what could have been if you lose that, like you said, that opening round game, all of a sudden you're, you're a 10 seed and in a much more favorable spot against – you know, Houston I think is a very strong team. If you were a – they're taking on Alabama, who we've kind of talked about a little bit, not really buying into that much. I know they just played well in the SEC tournament, but they've been kind of up and down. So basically, you know, I was hoping that they avoided Gonzaga or Baylor, but uh, unfortunately for them, they've got to get through North Carolina just to get a shot with uh, most likely the Baylor Bears unless uh, another 116 seed upset happens, which I don't see coming. So it's probably fair, but uh, unfortunate for Wisconsin in that one. And uh, now they've got to focus on the Tar Heels. So we're going to hopefully um, get uh, North Carolina's blog from SB Nation to come on our show later in the week to kind of talk about North Carolina a little bit more in depth. But for right now, how do you feel about the Badgers kind of matchup with North Carolina? You mentioned the rebounding. They've got a lot of NBA talent. They've had a very up-and-down season. So uh, what do you make of uh, them, and, and how do you see the Badgers kind of matching up? Well, I think one thing that you can fans should just expect is this is going to be an ugly game because <laughs> really you look at these two teams, the way they shoot the ball is, is not great. Um, people can harp on the Badgers for how they've shot, and I know we have um, at nauseum, but they shoot 31% from three. They are not a three-point shooting team. They go inside, and they go inside often. Um, Caleb Love shoots by far, the, or, uh, and uh, Kerwin Walton shoot their most Three-pointers, Love, I don't know why he shoots them as much as he does because he's not very good at it, only shooting about 26%. But the big thing is just the length that North Carolina has. They've got three um, guys over 6'10", and all crash the boards really, really strong. Um, I I think Wisconsin's going to have a tough time with that. I I wouldn't be surprised if you see Micah Potter and – uh, as or I should say, as well as Nate Reavers in the starting lineup. I think if you're going to do it, this is the, the game to do it because they're going to have a lot of length and they're going to be out there a lot. So I think Wisconsin's going to have their hands full with that. Wisconsin, if they hit their shots, though, they can beat North Carolina, but it's going to take them hitting their shots on, from the outside, and it's going to be them really crashing the glass and making sure that they're rebounding against a tough uh, team. Uh, in terms of the length, because 6'10", 6'10", 6'11", and then they've got 6'8", uh, as, as small forward. That's that's length that Wisconsin does not have. 
Right. Yeah, I think that. I mean, they be, do, but they don't have yeah. the uh, the rebounding <laughs> prowess that these guys do. Yeah, Wisconsin's got the bigs. It's just they've got to you know, have that aggressiveness to to get a get butt on somebody and and grab a board. Something we have not seen throughout the season. You know, sometimes Tyler Wall is the guy grabbing most of your boards. Sometimes Demetri Trigas was pulling down more than the, the bigs. So. Uh, it's going to have to be a big game from, from Nate Reavers and, and Micah Potter. Not necessarily the scoring department. You're probably going to need some points from Potter especially. And if both of those two and the rest of them are knocking down shots, I don't feel as much concern offensively. It's more so, like you mentioned, defensively Wisconsin against teams that have either, you know, if they've got you know one really quality big, we've seen it against Illinois with, with Coburn, You've seen it with Garza now three times against Iowa, Hunter Dickinson as well. North Carolina doesn't necessarily have a dominating big like that in terms of one player, but they've got length all over the court in two, three, four players. So I think for Wisconsin, while that, uh, of course, you're not taking on a dominating big and All-American type guy, it's also another struggle where you've got to get a butt and, and block out multiple guys with all that length. So it's kind of a trade-off, and I think going to be a, a tough matchup for Wisconsin. So I certainly think they can win this game, you know, if they're if they're hitting shots. But if they're not really clean and crisp on the glass, I think that's going to be really what this comes down to because uh, we've seen it. Wisconsin struggles to board sometimes, and, and the other team, when they get multiple you know, opportunities, especially offensive rebounding, if they get multiple chances, it's it's usually a recipe for disaster for the Badgers, and if they don't block out in this game, they don't grab uh, you know, a lot of boards in this one. I could see it being a similar fate for them uh, as they move into March Madness. Yeah, for sure. Um, any, I know we're, we're going to talk more about UNC later, um, but any of the first round matchups you really like, just outside of the Badgers? Yeah, I think there's a lot of, I mean, of course, everyone's excited about the bracket. I think there's a lot of fun games that you're going to have in this one. Um, I, I really like that uh, that West bracket first round you know, in terms of upset. There's a, That's a couple where I circled that uh, UC Santa Barbara Creighton game, Ohio Virginia game. Of course, the Virginia Cavaliers are still dealing with some COVID issues. I could see both of those being great. I really love the uh, eight nine matchups across the board. I mean, you look at Wisconsin North Carolina. While probably will be an ugly game, should be uh, at least entertaining. Missouri Oklahoma, two teams that are pretty strong. St. Bonaventure LSU is going to be phenomenal, and in Georgia Tech and, and Loyola Chicago, um, it should be great as well. So the eight nines are are great. I think Loyola kind of got a tough draw where they should have probably been uh, matched up higher. So I think that there's a lot of good games that I, that I'm interested in I mean you're just it's just great to have the bracket but at the same time there's some high quality matchups I think there's going to be plenty of upsets in that opening round and and a lot of fun games that uh that you could see some entertaining and, and down to the wire results for sure yeah and, and even beyond that you go into the second round which mm-hmm. I know we're a little bit farther further removed from here but but man I think there's some really fun games that could pop up from that you're looking at like San Diego State versus West Virginia like that is that is good basketball right there of, of teams coming from very different conferences. And I think they have a lot of talent. You, you look at, um, you talked about the Loyola Chicago, them playing Illinois, if they were able to win, that would be fun to watch just because of the in-state draw there. Um, if Michigan State could string together a couple wins, they'd be taking on Texas. I think that would be a fun game to watch as well. I, I think you look at it in the tournament. I think the overall, the seedings make a lot of sense. I think they did a good job on it. 
Um, but I think there's just a lot of really good basketball and Purdue Villanova, like that's, that's, that's March. That's what this is about. And I think Wisconsin's got a really tough draw, but there's some other teams here that, uh, in the Big Ten that have a lot better paths than, than them that I think the Big Ten's going to be looking pretty hopefully later in the, in the season here. Yeah, yeah, I think for the Big Ten, you look, um, and, and they're in a pretty good spot uh, overall. You know, Iowa, I think if they can, you know, Grand Canyon isn't a team that I think could knock them off. They, Oregon is, is a testy team there, but I think Iowa has a pretty good path. Same thing for Ohio State on the two-line. Illinois, you know, you talk about that second-round matchup possibly with Loyola is a little bit. And in Michigan, I think the concern there without Isaiah Livers, if he's not able to go, um, you know, that eight, the winner of that 8-9 matchup could give them a, a good test. But even teams like Rutgers, I, I see them winning their first-round game. Maryland could very well win their first-round game as well. And you never know about Michigan State, like you said, if they win that opener. Those teams that win in that first four always kind of have some momentum going into that first-round game. So who knows? You know, it's hard to knock out a guy like Tom Izzo in March. You've seen it time and time again. Um, Purdue, I don't know what to make of their seeding right now with, with North Texas. I think they get by that game, but then maybe you run into uh, a Winthrop team that could win a couple games. So the Big Ten, I think, has some favorable paths, um, but it should be some good tests throughout the way as well. So I'm excited to see what some of those teams can do um, as they get into the, the later portions of March Madness. Um, is there a team that you think that kind of has a more, most favorable path in terms of teams outside in the conference? Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and I think that with, like, Wisconsin's tough draw, I would go with Illinois. I think, obviously, mm-hmm. as a one seed, they, you, you should have an easier path. But I, but I don't see anybody stopping them on in that upper part of the Midwest until they were, were to get to the Elite Eight. Elite Eight having to take on maybe Houston, maybe West Virginia. Those are teams that they could beat. San Diego State, those are teams that they could beat. I think Illinois taking on Oklahoma State would be a lot of fun, but I still think Illinois just is too deep, um, has too deep of a roster that Kid Cunningham can't single-handedly take them down. Um, and then in terms of the Big Ten, I think Ohio State has a really good path to, mm-hmm. to get to the lead eight as well to take on Baylor. I don't see them losing to a Florida or Virginia Tech team. I don't necessarily know if Arkansas is going to be good enough to get to the Sweet 16 either. So I think Ohio State and Illinois are two teams that I think have really favorable draws because I agree with you. I think Michigan could have an early exit because Isaiah Livers is really good and what is their, one of their best players. To not have him and to have his, his status really questionable isn't great for them right now. Yeah, I think that's just a tough ask for for the Wolverines to if they have to play without him. You know, maybe you get through. Uh, I think you'll get through that first game just fine if you had to hold him out. But if you get into a team like St. Bonaventure that that plays really good defense, and then a team like LSU that can score at will, whoever they get is going to have a you know a really battle tested first round that uh, might make it a little bit harder on the Wolverines. But uh, of course, we've seen Michigan. We've seen Michigan turn it on from time to time when they've had kind of their backs against the wall, but it's going to be hard if they've got to play and, and win a couple games without Isaiah Livers. So uh, we'll get into our bracket predictions here in a second. Before we do that, let's discuss some upset. I think that's everyone, if, as you're filling out brackets, you're trying to find the games to take a look at and circle. I know prediction-wise, sometimes um, we have not had the, the greatest success. I think a couple of weeks ago we picked teams to make a run. You picked Belmont, I picked Boise State. Boise State didn't win a game after I picked them. Belmont, somehow, I thought they'd still get into the tournament, but uh, kind of got uh, snubbed that way. 
So we, we've got to revive ourselves, but um, so yeah, we'll we'll pick into some upsets here and uh, and see what we can find, and, and hopefully we're more correct than our our deep run predictions. Um, any games that you have circled as a team that should be on upset alert in that first round to to guide people in in filling out their bracket? I, I think you you pulled up those seven ten matchups that Rutgers Maryland both could could easily win. I think Virginia Tech could take take down Florida as well. When you look at Florida's resume, they've only played uh, 23 games and lost nine of them. That's that's not all that great in an SEC that has been kind of up and down at times. So I think that those those three seven ten matchups are all very possible. The the UC Santa Barbara one was it was the first bracket they showed, and that was the one that screamed off the page because Creighton has really struggled lately. Um, and and then from from there, I, I think there's plenty of matchups. I think BYU could go down to Michigan State if Michigan State wins because I do think that they're playing some good basketball, and when they're on, they've got talent to to hang with with teams. And um, I, I think there's there's plenty of other ones, but those would be the ones that jump out right away to me at least. Um, maybe Utah State over Texas Tech as well. Yeah, I love the uh, the UC Santa Barbara pick. I think that was the first one that I, um, in, in terms of betting terms, went in and locked in right away. I think uh, they could you know pull off the upset entirely, and I think uh, Ohio right below them could you could see a 12-13 matchup in that round of 32 because I think both of those two could pull off an upset. I know Virginia is going to be dealing with some their their COVID issues, just getting ready to be able to play. Ohio is a team that can really score the basketball, so I could see them um, winning, a, winning a game and, and facing off with UC Santa Barbara in that second round. Um, Winthrop, same thing. You know, you look at these teams that come in maybe a little hindered. Villanova's coming in. Um, you know, injuries, they've, they've struggled, struggled in the Big East tournament, and I, I think Winthrop is a team that could knock them off. They could maybe um, win a couple games, and you could see them, you know, taking on uh, uh, Baylor in the Sweet 16. So I see those two. Um, yeah, as being a possibility, Georgetown's playing really good basketball. Of course, you know, bursting a bubble and winning the uh, Big East, I could see them knocking off Colorado in the first round. Um, and then, you know, I think the the upset to watch for is going to be maybe in that second round. I, I don't know if Virgi- or uh, uh, Michigan gets through that second round game without Isaiah Livers. So I have that picked right now. I've got St. Bonaventure um, winning a couple games, but I could see LSU beating them as well. Two different. Um, styles, but I think Michigan right now is, is maybe sitting in a vulnerable spot just given the injuries. So I think there's plenty of upsets that are going to happen. If there's going to be a year where you're going to have um, a lot of teams win um, that are a lot of upsets, I think you could see it. And then I think the last one that I picked in terms of, of betting and picking the brackets was Colgate over Arkansas. That team, yeah, that's going to be a 90-90 to 90 type game. Um, both teams can really score, but should be a lot of fun. I could see them pulling off. I, I know um, in terms of some of the ratings, they it seemed like Colgate was was very underseated in terms of being at a 14. So um, the, this first round game has a ton that you could circle and and see. I think it's going to be a little bit of a chaotic bracket, but that should make it a lot of fun as we get deeper into things. Yeah, and and I think really the tournament's the best because there is so much uncertainty and there is um, just luck of the draw sometimes. And this, it went against Wisconsin definitely in terms of who they have to play to get far in the tournament, but there's other teams where you look at it and you're like, wow, I think they can make a real run. Most definitely. I think there's a lot of uh, possibilities that could happen here, and, and just given how wacky this year has been already, it, it could certainly happen um, for, for any team. You get hot at the right time and, and win a couple games, 
um, you're, you're setting yourself up for a deep run. So I'm, I can't wait to uh, to watch some of these matchups up Friday and Saturday and then, of course, into Sunday and Monday. All right, why don't we go ahead and, and get our predictions down um, for the uh, the bracket here. Let's go Final Four, and then uh, we'll give a national champion as well. Who do you have in your Final Four, and who is your champ in your uh, bracket? So I haven't actually gone through and, and done it yet, like the full exercise, mm-hmm. simply because I usually like to wait till right up until just in case there's anything coming out with injuries or anything. But I, I feel really confident that uh, Gonzaga is going to get not only to the Final Four, but to the championship game. I think Baylor and Illinois, I know it's kind of chalky, but I think both of them are going to be Final Four bound as well. The real intrigue to me is is that lower quadrant in the East and kind of figure out who comes out of there. I could see Alabama or Texas doing it. Um, Michigan could. They they have talent. I think Florida State could as well, or even Colorado. I, th- I think Colorado is a team that their, their first-round game against uh, Georgetown is going to be really tough, but if they get back by Florida State, one of those two teams could is going to get to the lead eight potentially if, if Michigan – it doesn't make it. So I, I think that lower quadrant is the one that is going to get a little less chalky to me. I would say maybe Texas gets there for me. Um, I think they've got a really good team. So in the end, though, I, I think it's going to be Gonzaga is going to end up winning it all, if not Illinois. I think those are the two teams that are going to make it to the title. I, I think Illinois is so deep and so talented. You've got your your two superstars, and then they've got the, the freshmen um, there's a reason they're doing so well this year and that the Badgers lost to them both times. It's because they have a very complete team that can play with anybody. And I think that really they are the most equipped to take on Gonzaga in the championship if they get there. Baylor was, but I think just the COVID, how they got hit by that, it just completely changes your se- season sometimes. So I think any of those three could win it, but I'll go with Gonzaga versus Illinois, and I'm going to guess Gonzaga wins it. I love what you said because I think ours is, is very similar in that regard. Um, you know, I've got Baylor and Illinois on that side, and then Gonzaga as well. It's that that's that fourth region that I think is going to be the the most testy and in one that uh, really could see a lot of teams coming out of there. Um, I haven't really bought into Alabama, but at the same time, you know, they they can get hot like they did in the SEC tournament and, and shoot well and defend, and all of a sudden they could win a couple games and get there. Texas as well, and Florida State, three similar teams. When you're when you're looking at Michigan, they could certainly do it. But if there's a seed that uh, a top seed that looks a little bit vulnerable, I think it's them. So I've been kind of debating back and forth between Florida State and Texas um, to get that last spot. I'll go with uh, Florida State for now, um, but then I think it's going to be a one versus one in the title game, Gonzaga and Illinois as well. But uh, for some reason, uh, I've been I've I've had uh, Illinois to win the national title future ticket um, for for a few months now, and I'm I'm sticking with that. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my guns to take Illinois um, to to pull off the Gonzaga upset. But I think those two, at least right now, look like the teams that will be there. So um, given that we both said that, and and that'll be the most common uh, prediction, we'll somehow have you know Texas Tech versus Alabama in the title game. We'll all be wrong. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I just I really I do think that right now, in, in my heart of hearts, I think Illinois is the best team in the entire bracket. But then I I just Gonzaga is really talented, and and mm-hmm. they have a lot of guns that they can turn to as well to win a game. And and Jalen Suggs is really talented. So I, I just think that I want. In, in, a, in this point, at this point, I don't think Wisconsin's getting there. I, I, you got to root for the Big Ten to, to get off 
and, and win a game, win a title here at some point. I think Illinois is the, the best equipped for it. But um, in in the end, I, I just there's three teams that I think are above everybody else, and I think Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois are the ones to look at, and it's just a matter of picking which one you think is going to have the best shot of, of getting to the finals, and then it's it's all wild from there. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the, I love that you mentioned the Big Ten um, and, and rooting interest kind of thing, uh, because I think this Illinois team has been, you know, really a team that that has been fun to watch and fun to root for. They've got a lot of quality players. Um, they, they play basketball in a really strong way. Corvello, Coburn, Ao Desuma, they just got so many options that you can go with to rely on. I think that's what you need in the team. So I would love to see them take on Gonzaga and, and you know, possibly knock them off. I think uh, there's certain teams in the Big Ten, you know, I'm not going to be sitting here saying that I'm going to be a Big Ten homer and went root for all of them. I would love for Iowa to fall to Grand Canyon in that opening round. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but I would love to see Illinois make that run. I just think they're such a talented team. They've been so fun to watch um, all season long. So I, I think they have the guys to do it, and uh, we'll have to wait and see if they can, uh, of course, get there and, and possibly pull off that upset. But either way, it's going to be a lot of fun here as we get into March Madness. All right, guys, I think that pretty much wraps up our episode. Um, We'll, of course, have one out later in the week. We're hoping to, uh, like I mentioned earlier, have the Tar Heel blog on to kind of give us a little bit better breakdown on North Carolina, similar to what we do during football season. Um, We have the guests on. We're still trying to line that up. So if we do, we'll, of course, have an episode out. If not, we'll get into North Carolina maybe a little bit on our own. Um, So it should be fun. As always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.